tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme. It's Beauty and the Beast. Just not the one you're thinking of. Welcome to Horror Story Podcast. I'm your host, Trish, and this week we're doing a movie breakdown, and it's a bloody one. I'm going to be discussing the thunder from down under that is The Furies, and I promise I will not attempt an Australian accent during any of this. (laughs) Released November 7th, 2019, directed by Tony D'Aquino. The basic plot of this movie is that this is a Hunger Games meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre scenario set in the Australian outback. Six women have been abducted and are being hunted by various masked brutes as they fight to be the last final girl standing. This movie gets a 10 out of 10 on the gore factor, with an awesome practical effects team led by Larry Van Dunhoven. The soundtrack is provided by Kristen Axelholm and Kenneth Lample, who have composed a handful of songs for the band Foreigner. Score in this movie is kind of the classic heavy horror movie score, which I feel stands up to the fast pace of the movie. There isn't too much variation of the tracks, but I thought it was still effective. I first watched this on Shudder in 2020. Every October, I like to try and watch 31 horror films in 31 days, and this was one of the films I happened to watch then. I honestly really love this movie. It's super fast-paced, it's super gory, and you can tell the director has a deep love and respect for the horror genre and slasher films of the 70s and 80s, which comes across plain as day in the film. Alright, so let's jump right in. In our opening scene, we see a girl running for her life through a forest, which it's worth noting that throughout this movie, there's a lot of darkness thematically and a lot of gore, but it's all happening in broad daylight. And the setting for this film is a forest full of ghost gum trees. This type of tree is really tall, slender, and stark white. It's a really interesting juxtaposition to what's happening inside the forest, and it really makes you feel like you have nowhere to hide and you just have to keep moving. So the girl is running, and of course we immediately see one of the classic horror movie tropes, female protagonist falling mid-chase. She stumbles, injures herself, and just cannot recover. The killer closes in, and just when you think killer number one is about to take her out, Killer number two shows up and begins to fight the first killer. The two duel, and killer number one is eventually taken down. Killer number two doesn't immediately kill the girl. We see him actually carry her in his arms and walk away, almost like a trophy. And, people, I'm not being lazy with the names of the killers here. These two are actually listed in the movie credits as killer number one and killer number two. So there. 
The sightings of the first two killers really set you up for high expectations. They're dirty and dressed kind of plainly, but both wearing these striking masks. I really love the costumes of each killer in the movie. Each mask is a nod to classic horror films like Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Motel Hell, Tourist Trap, Friday the 13th, and The Burning. So now we're introduced to the main character in this film, Kayla and her BFF, Maddie. The two are in a little alleyway under an overpass, and Maddie is doing her best Avril Lavigne impression by spray-painting fuck patriarchy on the wall. We learn quickly that their friendship is on the rocks. They're preparing for university and life after high school, and Maddie is sick of Kayla using her epilepsy diagnosis as a reason to live like a codependent, uptight coward. That was way harsh, Ty. Maddie confesses she's sick of looking out for her and doesn't intend to do so going forward. The two argue, Maddie storms off, and Kayla soon overhears a scuffle. Maddie's being abducted and forced into a car, and while Kayla is walking to her aid, she gets abducted herself. The next scene is shots going back and forth from a bloody eye, presumably Kayla's, surgical instruments, and an operating room. We then cut to Kayla, who awakens at the sound of a blaring siren and finds she's locked in a box. She panics, bangs on the box repeatedly while yelling for help. Eventually, the siren stops, the box unlocks, and she emerges to find that her box is marked beauty number six. She takes in her surroundings, and then she's off through the woods, calling out for Maddie. All of the commotion she's causing draws the attention of two other girls that have been abducted and are now also unwilling participants in this game, Alice and Sheena. Alice wisely warns Kayla that all of her screaming is only drawing the attention of their captors, but Kayla is frantic, and now she realizes that she's not only alone in the outback being hunted, but she's also without her seizure medication. And upon this realization, she, well, of course, has a seizure. And now we stumble upon another great horror movie trope, Person's affliction slash neuroses slash quirk holds the key to helping them survive. During her seizure, she's able to see from the point of view of one of the killers. If you're wondering how that could possibly be, let me connect some dots for you. You remember those cut scenes of the bloody eyeball and surgical instruments? Yeah, whoever abducted the women were implanting some kind of ocular microchip complete with camera. Apparently, Kayla's seizure interferes with their transmission and their feedback, and whenever she has one, she can see from one of the killer's ocular camera and their point of view. When she comes to, Kayla notices that Sheena has taken off and only Alice has stayed behind with her. The two set off in the direction Sheena went to to try and catch up with her. Kayla asks Alice why she decided to stay behind with her, and Alice immediately drops her Australian accent and dips into a southern one and says, Have you ever been pigging? <laughs> she tells Kayla that during pig hunting, when you sick the hunting dogs loose, that the hunting dogs don't tend to go for the biggest pig, but they go for the slowest pig alluding to the fact that she only stayed with Kayla because of her seizures, in hopes that if the girls are being chased, Kayla will have one, fall behind, and leave Allison out to escape. What a peach that Alice is. 
During this exchange, the girls notice another box nearby, but this one is marked Beast Number 6. Beast 6 is one of the killers named Rotface, and he happens to be lurking nearby. The girls duck behind the box, hoping to wait him out. At this time, Kayla begins to have another seizure, and Alice decides she's going to run for her life and hope that the Beast decides to go for Kayla instead of chasing after her. And now, people, we've reached one of the best, most grotesque practical effects shot in any horror movie. Rotface chooses to pursue Alice, catches up with her, and traps her against a tree. He then slowly takes his axe and drives it across her face, slicing it off. It is gruesome, gory, and such a testament to the director and practical effects team on this movie It's also a shot that made the director question if he had gone too far, but it's really good. Gross and disturbing, of course, but good. So good that it won Best Death at UK's Fright Fest in 2019. Eventually, Kayla wakes up, takes off running, and reaches the edge of the forest, where she learns another use for the weird ocular implant microchip thingy the hard way. As she ventures out through the field in front of her, she reaches a marker. When she attempts to pass it, she's struck down by a high-pitched siren that you can tell is not just sounding externally, but internally as well. She takes a moment to gather herself, but is interrupted when she hears another girl screaming for help as she's running towards her, who's followed closely behind by Rotface. Rotface proceeds to toss his axe into the girl's back and then wave at Kayla. But he doesn't wave in a you're next sort of way. He does it in a friendly, neighborly, you're welcome sort of way. Just then another beast called Skin Crow, who looks like Leatherface and is draped in human skin that's been stitched together, shows up and makes a beeline for Kayla. Surprisingly, Rotface steps in to protect Kayla. When the killers fight, Kayla takes hold of the girl, whose name is Sally, helps her to her feet, and the two begin to run back into the forest in hopes of finding some kind of shelter. The two killers fight, and Rotface kind of gets his ass beat, and Skin Crow walks off to find the girls. And for anyone who wants to take a glance while they're listening... On the podcast Instagram, I uploaded a post for this episode, and it has pictures of all the beasts, so you can kind of put a face to a name here. Back in the forest, Kayla tries her best to help Sally by hiding her inside the nook of a tree and covering her with some brush. Kayla leaves Sally for a moment to find help, but it's a moment too long. Skin Crow finds Sally, drags her across the forest floor, and places her with her back against the tree. He then pulls her arms behind her, and he basically pulls her arms so hard that he completely rips both limbs from her body. Meanwhile, Kayla encounters our next beast, Pigface. The two fight, but Kayla manages to steal his machete from him. As she brandishes it at him, we hear a buzzing sound. Seconds later, Pigface's head explodes. 
It seems that while the girls' implants can emit a debilitating sound that prevents them from walking past the perimeter of the forest, the beast contains a detonator that gets triggered at certain times, which we'll get to later. Machete in hand, Kayla continues on further through the woods and stumbles upon a ghost town. She notes the empty, dilapidated buildings and a town map that marks an entrance to a gold mine. She enters one of the buildings, which is basically a large shed, and gets surprised when another girl, Jackie, who had been hiding out there, sneaks up behind her. Thinking it was one of the beasts, Kayla turns, swings her machete, and kills the girl. At the sound of the commotion are old pal Sheena and one of the most psychotic and annoying characters you'll ever be introduced to, Rose, appear. Kayla begins to have another seizure, and during this one, she sees from the point of view of a killer who seems to be protecting and hiding Maddie in the mine. When she comes to, Sheena has left her ass for dead yet again. While Rose, who looks 23 and acts six years old, pouts and sits with her knees pulled up to her chest on the floor. Rose introduces herself to Kayla and immediately says, I stayed with you. We're friends now. And I'd say that's just a red flag for Rose right off the bat. As the two get acquainted, they realize they both remember being in this sort of crude operating room and having a procedure done to their eye. Kayla, badass that she is, takes a friggin' spoon that she finds in the shed and walks towards Jackie's dead body on the floor beside them. She uses the spoon to scoop out one of Jackie's eyes, allowing Kayla and Rose to both see the ocular implant firsthand. Kayla realizes that whoever has done this is watching the girls through the implant. The camera cuts to a person behind a desk watching 12 cameras, six showing the point of view from the girls and six from the point of view from the killers. The feed of this hunt is clearly being filmed and streamed for entertainment, but it's pretty much the only glimpse we get of the individuals who've orchestrated this. Sheena decides to make her way back into the mix, hiding from a killer that she spotted. Kayla, ever insightful, says, They're hunting us! To which Sheena replies, No shit! <laughs> but then Kayla further unravels the situation by showing her Jackie's eyeball with the implant attached. The girls finally piece together the rules of the hunt. Each girl was placed in a box labeled Beauty, with numbers ranging from 1 through 6, and the killers in boxes labeled Beast, also numbered 1 through 6. Each girl is paired with a beast, who is her protector. It's a game to see which pair survives. Every time a girl dies, their beast dies, which is why Rotface tried to save Kayla from Skin Crow and why when Skin Crow killed Sally, moments later, Pigface's head exploded, leaving us to assume he was Sally's protector. You had one job, Pigface. Through the window of the shed, Sheena catches a glimpse of Skin Crow, who is actually Sheena's protector, although she doesn't know that yet, and motions for the girls to hide. But Skin Crow ain't no dummy. He knows they're in there, and he just begins to taunt the girls by walking around the perimeter of the shed and dragging his weapon across the siding. 
He finally enters the shed and attempts to attack Rose, but the girls band together, for now, and fight him off. They narrowly escape this attack by Skin Crow, and Sheena finally allows the rules of the game to sink in. She gets really paranoid and decides to turn on the girls. She said that there's nothing stopping them from killing each other to improve their chances of survival and winning the game. Sensing her murderiness, Kayla and Rose decide to break free of Sheena and make a run for the mine to find Maddie. As they try to sneak away quietly through an opening underneath the shed, Skincrawl makes his way back inside. And in another classic horror movie trope I'll call, my foot gets caught on something while I'm making a run for it, Rose's foot gets caught on something while she's making a run for it. Kayla tries to help pull her free, but Skincrow grabs her by the ankle and pulls her back into the shed. Kayla opts not to pull Ashina and leave Rose for dead, so she charges back into the shed to save Rose. And now we've reached one of the grossest scenes I've ever watched in a horror movie. I can take a lot of gore, but this was one of the few scenes in a movie to make me audibly gag. So, listener, be warned. Kayla runs up behind Skincrow while Rose grabs a weapon and slices his fingers off. Skincrow then grabs Kayla by the throat and shoves his profusely bleeding hand into her mouth. As Kayla's choking on Skincrow's blood, Rose grabs an axe and begins hacking at his leg. He releases Kayla and she drops to the floor, vomiting blood. He turns to attack Rose, but Kayla grabs some kind of crude-ass corkscrew-looking thing and twists it into his abdomen. Rose and Kayla make a break for it, only to find Sheena running towards the mine, presumably to kill Maddie, subsequently to take out a beast and get her one step closer to winning the game. Kayla approaches her and tries to tell her that they need to stick together, while Sheena just reiterates that she's going to take everyone out and does not give a single fuck. However, while she's saying this, Rotface, near death from his ass kicking by Skin Crow, sneaks up behind Sheena and slams an axe split down the middle of her skull. Kayla rewards her beast for saving her ass for the second time by taking his own axe away from him and slamming it straight into his chest, killing him once and for all. The girls set off for the mine and find a frightened Maddie hiding. Kayla is overjoyed to have found her bestie, but Rose gets immediately and uncomfortably jealous of their bond. It's here we get to see our final beast donning a barn owl mask appropriately named Owly. He's Maddie's beast and the one that Kayla saw hiding her in the mine during her seizure. And, speaking of seizures, Kayla begins to have another one. While Maddie catches Kayla and helps her to the ground, Rose runs behind Maddie and slices her throat with a knife, not only killing her, but triggering the detonator that kills Owlie immediately after. Kayla comes to and realizes that Maddie is dead, and Rose admits to killing her to help them survive. Rose, devoid of all emotion, asks, what do we do now? Kayla screams at Rose, telling her that she never wanted to save Rose. She only always wanted to save Maddie and that she should have let her die when Skincrow got a hold of her in the shed. 
Rose, devastated that her and Kayla aren't going to ride off into the sunset together and braid each other's hair, storms off into the woods, screaming into the sky like a friggin' maniac. Kayla, alone and totally broken, walks back to the edge of the forest. With the knife in hand, she cuts out her eye to remove the implant so she can walk past the barrier without the siren sounding. Rose is the only remaining girl in the woods. Screen goes dark, and we hear a voice say, Prepare the winner for the next match. And we're left to assume that Rose must continue to fight on in another round. And here's where I wish the film would have ended. But it cuts to replay footage of Alice's kill, buffering and all glitchy, and then we see a man at home trying to watch the footage. He then gets on the phone and begins bitching about the quality of the footage of Alice's death and her fight for survival. He is talking to what we can only assume is the customer service rep for this twisted-ass organization that is providing pay-per-view footage of each hunt. His call's interrupted by a strange noise in the house. It's Kayla. She's out for vengeance and is determined to hunt down those who organized the game. She manages to tie the man up and begins to torture him in hopes he'll give up the names of the others involved. He swears he doesn't know anything and doesn't have any leads for her. Kayla turns to someone and says, Do we believe him? She's talking to Maddie, but she's only alive in her imagination. The movie ends with Kayla going from hunted to hunter. Alright, I've heard of this movie described as all meat, no vegetables, and that's pretty accurate. If you're someone who loves that kind of gratuitous, gory slasher, then this is for you. If you're someone who's looking for character development and a compelling storyline, then you're shit out of luck. The movie delivers on action, practical effects, and costume design. I think aside from Rose's terribly over-the-top attempt at coming off as juvenile, the only other shortcoming of this film is the ending and the plot hole with this whole organization who orchestrates the kidnappings and hunts, streaming, things like that. It just felt a little rushed at the end. I think if there were a few more scenes in the beginning or spliced in throughout that sort of introduced this organization that's abducting these women and placing them in this game, it might have made a little bit more sense to show Kayla going all vigilante as she tries to find out more about the men who've done this. But I personally would have preferred it if the movie just ended right there and then after Kayla walks past the barrier and we hear the sound of Rose preparing to fight another round of Beauty and the Beast. But on the other side, if we didn't get to see Kayla trying to track these men down and take them out, the movie probably would have had to have been named something else. The title of this film, The Furies, is a reference to the three goddesses of vengeance in Greek mythology. They are directly referenced once in this film. When Kayla is trying to hide Sally in the forest, Sally asks her if she believes in magic and the Furies. Kayla agrees, and Sally says, May the goddesses protect you. In Greek mythology, these goddesses' sole purpose was to dole out punishment for those who deserved them. They're said to be cruel, but fair. Kayla definitely embodies their spirit at the end of the film when she sets off to exact her own justice and take down the men that did this to her. Critiques aside, I really do love this movie, and I love the director's commitment to have this be a female-driven slasher movie that showcases the women as fighters who take their fate into their own hands. 
They're not just these ditzy stereotypes bouncing around the woods, scantily clad, waiting for someone to save them. I think Air Lee Dodds did a great job playing Kayla. She captured the same strength and vulnerability that Laurie Strode had in Halloween. The same kind of strength and vulnerability you hope to see in any final girl. She goes from reserved and cautious to absolute badass, and I think she makes a truly awesome final girl. If you're looking for somewhere to watch this film, and I hope you do, it is available on Shudder, and I also believe it's available on Tubi TV. That is T-U-B-I TV. Well, all right, that wraps up this week's episode. Please make sure you follow the pod on your preferred streaming platform and on Instagram at Horror Story Pod. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time and stay spooky, friends. <laughs>